correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey, what's up, Gamer Nation? Welcome back to Me and Steve. I'm here today with uh, my good friend Steve. What's up? Oh, not so much. How about you? Oh, no. Cold and snowy? Cold and snowy. Woohoo! January. Makes me well, for our friends out in Australia. Yeah, well, it's January now. It won't be when people listen to it. This time warp thing is weird. Or will it still be? It's it's not going to still be January when they hear this. No, no it'll be the first oh, it of will, February. Will it be February? I don't know what day of the week it is right now. Well, it depends on what time zone they live in. Oh, for them? Yeah. Because... Well, okay. So <laughs> this will go up January. This will go up February 1st for our time zone for in them it would be february 2nd right but if it, if someone on say the west coast of the u.s were to download it the instant it drops and listen to it it would still be the 31st of january it would not because it drops at midnight right and their mid our midnight is 11 o'clock central t- no. uh, 10 mountain yeah. right I think unless the i don't know somebody out know. on somebody out on the east coast tell us Tell us, uh, or West Coast, not East Coast. I don't want to hear from you East Coast people. We're on the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, somebody so, out in the West Coast, tell us about it when you get the podcast on. It on would Tuesdays. be 9 o'clock, 9 p.m. on the on the 31st would be midnight on the East Coast. Okay. I'm curious about is, does it, well, I guess probably. I don't know. I don't know. I, I was curious that, like, if, if it just drop until midnight. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. It could, I don't know. I don't know. It screws with me. And then the way they record days for our our metrics are based on GMT. Yeah. So it's really screwy. And we're always trying to coordinate with somebody who's not in our time zone. And Yeah. Okay. So enough of us being confused by time zones. What is our D20 podcast of the week this week, Steve? D20 podcast of the week is the Staggering Dragon. Oh, I like the Staggering Dragon. I do like the Stag Drag podcast. They're a lot of fun. What? the staggering dragon is is it's a bunch of friends that get together and well it's either genesis or star wars actual plays or just them riffing about various pop culture elements usually star wars and or i'll say marvel related although they probably do some stuff about like the dc stuff and and that but they're they're really a whole lot of fun they are a little adult often but um they're very 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 entertaining yeah, cool podcast and uh, just a really fun time. Yeah. And you can check them out at thestaggeringdragon.com. And of course, you know, as always, there'll be links in the show notes. So you can find that easier than, than typing things. You can just click something. Yeah. So this week, we're talking about a thing. Yes. Well, we're going back to, I want to say it was in September we did our Q&A episode. And we got a lot of questions about player engagement and how do you encourage it and so on and so forth. And it was kind of like, well, we got enough of these and these can get deep. So 
maybe we'll just do this as its own episode instead of trying to shoehorn it into a couple lines here. And of course, there was some reference material that I intended to refresh myself on a bit more than I got to because life has a funny way of not letting me do the things that I intend to do in the time that I mean to do them. But I'm sure I'm not the only one like that. You and me both, bud. <laughs> in the exact same boat. <laughs> so, Things uh, going on and games happen and I am not even prepared for it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, to, to just before we get into the weeds of talking about all this, I think there's probably two things we're going to, or at least that I'm going to reference in this discussion. And one goes back to very, very early episode for us about player types and the definitions that Robin D. Laws put forth in his, call it a book. It's actually a really small little thing. Uh, it's only about 30, 32 pages called Robin's Laws of Good Game Mastering, which was put out by Steve Jackson Games. And it's a GM guidebook, but it's not. It's, it's a system agnostic GM tips and tricks book, basically. Yeah. And it's intentionally not, what do you want to say, a beginner level book. It specifically says in it that this is this is intended to pick up, you know, from the the how to do this stuff that you get in a lot of games. It's intended for people that have some experience. You know, it's it's not the hey, I'm about to GM my first game, you know, read this. No, this is this is intended not that you couldn't read it then, but it's intended as a more instead of a one oh one level, it's probably a two or a three hundred level book. Yeah, I would say that. It it's it's probably a 200 level book. Honestly, I, I look at it as, and, and having skimmed through it, I'm going to give it a read here probably, I don't know, next couple of days when I get a chance. I look at it as sort of what you would read after the preamble or after the GM tips in a RPG. Yeah. It seems like that's, that's a useful book to have. Yeah. I have a, a PDF of it, but I, I, at some point would like to find a physical copy of it. I think I can, you can get it off the Steve Jackson website. Probably Amazon might even have it. I don't know. I haven't looked. Yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll, there'll be a link somewhere in the show notes for that. And then the other thing, and this was actually recommended to us by um, Justin Eacock, who you heard just a couple episodes ago, but it's an episode of a podcast done by another former guest, uh, Ryan Bolter, who joined us for the safety tools. His podcast is called character creation cast. And they did an episode quite some time ago called the eight kinds of fun. And I didn't get to listen to all of it, but I did get to listen to some of it and get the general breakdown of a lot of it. And it, it does kind of tie in with all this as far as, you know, getting engagement and, and the types of fun being some of the reasons that the people you're playing with are there playing. Yeah, I um I listened to a couple minutes of it. I just haven't had time to listen to a full podcast. I even have time to listen to my own podcast most of the time. So <laughs> um, it, it seemed like a really good discussion on on types and, and engagement, getting everybody involved at the table. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it ties into that player types. And I at the moment, I'm blanking on the name of the guest that they had on that episode. But I do remember he's a game designer in addition to just being, you know, look, someone who, who, who and he was citing an article and. So yeah, there'll be a, a a tree of links for you guys to follow if you if you wish to see you know the the some of the stuff that we're kind of basing some of our ideas here on. But I mean, where do you start with the topic of engagement? Because I know it's something that 
we all strive to get more of when we're running games, right? You, you want your whole table there and, and participating and being engaged, but just because you want it doesn't make it happen. That's why I always look at having a good understanding of the type of players you're, you're playing with. Mm-hmm. And I do like to talk about this in the past, but I like to give my players, especially if I haven't really played with someone and we're going into a long form campaign, sort of send them the link to the Robin D laws types quiz yeah it's a way to get an idea of of just a baseline of what they're looking for in a game yeah that is that quiz is is really good i mean and it it breaks things down a little differently and some of the terminology he uses is a little bit different right but it i think it makes people i i always like that in a quiz or in in questionnaires or you know thought process because it makes you think about things at its core and not like looking for specific questions. Yeah. Well, and I think he mentions this in, in his definitions of these types in the book and even in the eight types of fun thing, you know, they were saying it's very seldom that you have anyone who keys into one specific type of fun or one type being one type of player exclusively. You know, everyone is, is generically everyone is, is some sort of, mishmash of these things but there are you know everybody has their preferences there are things that that is their biggest interest or their biggest motivation if you will right and having an idea of what kind of mix you are or what what you're looking for you know i think it helps you i think it helps you as a player more involved because then you and not to to be like rude but gives you an idea of when to walk away from a table the table's not playing a game you want to be playing or a style that you want to be playing in. It lets you know, hey, this isn't the game for me. I'm just going to step away at this point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's something that we need to, I don't know, in my opinion, talk to a lot of people that are like, eh, but it's the only game I can get. Well, in real life, when we were playing games in real life, that may be true. But online, there's, you throw a rock, you can find a game online. Yeah. It may not be the game you want, but you can find something. Yeah, and you can find players you like playing with, and you can, you know, just don't be afraid to... I'm not saying this is a way to be rude, but don't be afraid to just walk away from a table and go, this isn't the game for me. Yeah, it's easier said than done, I think, but... And I understand that it is, but it's sort of one of those things where your your end goal is to have fun. If you're not having fun, there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, maybe I'm rambling. No, no, it makes sense. You know, I think, and two, it's also a, a deal where if you're not having fun, you can be dragging down the fun level for everyone else. And there's a difference between I'm not having the maximum amount of fun or these people are having fun in a way that isn't fun for me. You know, and I, I think just because it's not your maximum fun level doesn't necessarily mean it's one you want to walk away from. But if it's their type of fun is something that's not fun for you, then that's probably not a table where you're ever going to, to really be happy. I agree. I, I, I think that it's, I don't know. Well, do we want to maybe just run down the, the categories as, as laws puts them out just real quick? Let's do that. Okay. So I happen to have the PDF called up in front of me. And the first category he defines is what he's calling a power gamer. And he's defining that as, Basically, someone who wants to make their character, you know, bigger, better, and richer 
regardless of what rule system they're using, you know, their, their whole thing is to build very optimized character, very much within the letter of the rules, but they're looking to, you know, how can I get the best whatever out of it? They're very, as he puts it, you know, they, they put the, the game is very heavily emphasized for them in the term role-playing game. And these are the people that you'll see oftentimes that want to min-max characters or just optimize their play, um, make a character that is the most powerful thing that they can make. Right. So I think, you know, if, if you have that type of player and that's what your table's primarily made up of to get engagement from them, you've got to have that carrot on the stick in front of them of this is a way for you to make your character better. This is how you can gain new powers, abilities. You know, these are, are people who probably are going to be very motivated by advancement. Uh, or even gear. Um, yeah. In, 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 you know, say in a system like, you know, cyberpunk where advancements, it, it exists, but it's more annular. It's, it's yeah. maybe more about got to, you know, look, we got, this guy's got a better gun than what you got, or this guy's got, you know, can afford that upgrade or, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're, but they're out for a tangible reward. They're out for something that can make the game, their mind maybe easier. Right. And, and keeping that difficulty up for them. So it doesn't become too easy is important and not making it so difficult that it's impenetrable. Yeah. So do you want to do the next, next category he defines? Next we have the butt kicker. Mm-hmm. It's described as as the person that wants to let off steam, old fashioned vicarious mayhem, combat ready characters. So I would call this a murder hobo, but I mean, I mean, to a certain point, I think it's. I see two things here. I don't see this as necessarily being, yeah, to a certain point, as a murder hobo, but it's also someone who builds a character that they specifically want them to be effective. You know what I mean? Especially in combat, though. Yes. This is a person that is that is laser focused in on fighting everything and anything if possible. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, you have to understand that that's the type of person that you're really balancing your combats around. The power gamer you're going to make, that's going to set the difficulty. Butt kicker is going to set the frequency of combats, encounters, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they want to win. Well, they want to win and they also want to have that fight. Right. You know, and so if, again, you know, what we're getting at here is that depending on your player types, you this, you know, this is what they're looking for. It's what it's going to keep them engaged. It's not, there is no magic formula of just do this. It's, it's, you've got to know your table. You've got to provide the things that are going to get your players engaged. Right. And you have to understand that when you're keeping those players engaged, I think sometimes as, as GMs, and I'll say this now, is that I get lost in, oh, I wrote this story and I made this game. I didn't cater it to my players. And I think sometimes we need to step back and actually start catering our games around our players that we have mm-hmm. or around the table, because it's important that everybody's having fun. Yeah. Maybe not a hundred percent of the time, you know, there's things that happen in games that are not always fun for specific characters. But it's important that we do cater our games to the players that we have so that we can have a good time as a GM. They can have a good time as a player at the table. Mm-hmm. And and some of the people that are maybe quieter or a little more reserved about what they want out of a game, you sort of have to figure out, you know, 
well, they get really engaged when there's, say you have somebody in the next section, you have a method actor who is, is not so much about any of the combat, you know, somebody who's like way less interested in combat, but way more into role play. Well, then now you have to balance the game around that. Or we have to remember that RPGs are, they're, they're basically two or three pillars in RPGs, right? Like there's pillar of combat, pillar of role-playing and arguably there's a third pillar but and that's just character advancement but in some systems that doesn't exist you know right character advancement like in say warp lands or curiosity is is just character developing as a person right it's it's narrative it's not mechanically reinforced right so balancing the game around the two main pillars is important because at the end of the day, that's what we're here to do. Right. We're here to role play and we're here to play a game. I, I know that there are some very heavy role playing games that are just pure role play and very little gameplay itself. There are some very heavy role playing games that are mostly game and a lot less role play. Mm -hmm. There's one that says that it's one way or another. And, you know, they, they just, it's just understanding to balance those tables for the table that you have at hand. That's the biggest thing for player engagement. Yeah. And and to go a little more into the types, you know, you've got the next category that Laws brings up is the tactician, which, you know, probably someone who's a little bit of a military buff, maybe has a background in tabletop war games. But, you know, their their biggest thing is they want a challenge. They want to be challenged. They want to prove that they're more clever than the opponent they're, they're more likely to be into whether it be there be a challenge against an opponent or even somebody you will find more interest in in running a like running a, a overt ops team or something like that like right this is the person that's that's really planning it out and so like delta green you're you're the person that's sitting down and going all right well we have these clues and we need to figure this out, and you're you're literally spelling it out for the rest of the group. Right. This is the the, the player that wants, so to speak. It, it's not about what tools they have. It's about making the best use of the tools that they do have. Right. So yeah, for for a player like that, you know, they're looking to show that they're clever. They're looking to have those opportunities to outsmart the bad guys. Not so much just beat them up and take their stuff like maybe the butt kicker or the power gamer would then move it on from there we have the specialist this is the person that plays specific character types in every campaign they have their thing that they like they have their character that they play and and that's what they do that's sort of their all around their personality um like that it describes them as like cat people <laughs> yeah or or they always want to play the ninja or you know right like i've talked about it before I have a friend that always plays like paladins and clerics. Mm -hmm. All he wants to play, and that's fine. This is a person that it's sort of a, <laughs> it's a GM. I kind of like it because it's sort of a easy crutch to understand. Oh well, they're going to play this character. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what to expect. Yeah, that's not saying that their characters are all the same. They like a specific archetype. They like a specific character type, and mm -hmm. and they like a specific maybe subset of characters yeah and all they really want out of a game is a chance to do the thing that that is their thing right 
So from there, we have the next one is the method actor, which you've talked about. And I don't think this one we need to define a whole lot, but, you know, it's they're very into to being in character. And to a certain point, you know, maybe they're maybe they're a little less predictable because they're very wed to the character they have at the moment. But that may be very different than the last the character that they had in the last game. And so all they really want to do is be able to be their character. This is, this is the kind of person that is they're invested in being that character. And that's what they want to do. Now, their character may differ. And again, keep in mind that all of these get mixed together. Right. One person is not just this specific type, but there's always a dominant, there's always a dominant player type. And then there's secondary player types, essentially. Everybody has that one specific thing that they want. And then, you know, your percentage comes out of there. Right. So a, a method actor is somebody who is going to play a character that, you know, they're invested in the character. They're there for the theater of the whole thing. They're there to tell the story. And that's great. It's another really good way. If you have a method actor dialing up the role play and you're getting amazing player engagement out of it, as long as they're invested in the story and their character feels important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they, they don't so much care what's happening as as for the why they're doing it i guess is is maybe a, a good way to put them in a nutshell okay yeah we we next have the storyteller um this is the person that probably your note taker in the group i can't say that for certain but in most cases i think they're probably the note taker in the group they're the ones that like to embezzle things about the game might find this person doing a lot of like uh, coercion or what is the term in the deception checks mm-hmm. try and, and and bump up the story and they're they're all about where the where the method actor is about their specific character the storyteller is about the story as a whole right and progressing the story and the plot right yeah and so yeah those type of people you know they make it bored if if things are dragging along they're they're the the type of people that are it's and it's boring to sit for another oh we're gonna sit here with another um shopping episode or you know what i mean like yeah where the method actor may really enjoy the shopping episode because it gets them to to be able to to do the the barter and haggle thing right and they get a bang out of that where the storyteller is like yeah but but nothing's happening in the story Right, the bad guy's not here, so why are we here? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not saying that, you know, a, a storyteller can't have fun with any of that. And again, you know, we've talked about everything is everything is uh, a little mix of everything. Mm-hmm. Storyteller, that's what they're all about. They're all about that, moving the story along. Mm-hmm. And last but certainly not least, do you want to talk about our last one there, Steve? Sure, sure. Then you have the casual gamer. And and this person, we all know them. We all play with them. And they're kind of a... Uh, the casual gamer is just such a uh, kind of a, a thing, right? Because most of the time, they're not terribly into the game. And that's okay, I guess is the best way to say it. There are a lot of times they're there because they're friends with these people. And, and this is... You know, they want to hang out with their friends. This is what their friends are doing. It's not that they don't want to participate. It's just that that's not, and we'll get into this a little bit with the the types of fun, but they're there to be with other people. It's a social event for them. 
And it's not that, how do I want to say it? They're getting their fun by being there, not by specifically being engaged. And I find it really interesting that, you know, following these breakdowns of these player types, Laws has a little bit of stuff about, you know, how to to engage these type of players and so forth. And the actual line from the book is, don't worry about the casual gamer. Yeah, and, and it's <laughs> kind of true. I mean, as long as their friends are still there, they're there. I mean, yeah. And, and sometimes even, I think I started gaming. I'll say this. When I started gaming, when I was, oh, geez, because I started in 2008. So I would have been about 10. I started mm-hmm. gaming. I was the casual gamer. I was there because my friends were like, oh, we're going to play Pathfinder. It's going to be fun. I'm like, that's fine. I just went along with it. And I was the casual gamer. I was having fun because my friends were having fun. Then as I got more invested, I started learning. I'm like, oh, I, I like that. I like this. I like the you know, pretending to be somebody that I'm not. It, it, it's the you know, fun of the combat, but it's also the narrative that's happening and putting all the pieces together. It's it's all of those things. And yeah, to say not to worry about the casual gamer is is sort of daunting. You're sort of like, well, I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe I should worry about if they're having fun. But as long as they're there, they're having fun. Yeah. The casual gamer is the first person to get up and go, eh, this isn't for me. Walk out of the room. Mm-hmm. But it's also pointed out in, in this, if you want to call it a book, if you want to call it a long article, it's often also pointed out that sometimes these are the people who provide that important buffer between some of the other, you know, if you've got a couple of more power gamey butt kicker types and a couple of storyteller method actor types, the casual gamer can kind of be the buffer zone between them to a certain point. I find the casual gamers that I've played with are usually the ones they're the narrative anchors away. Mm-hmm. Because casual gamers is the person that they're not so invested in the role playing. They're not so invested in the in the combat or the game of itself. They're there for the whole experience. And it's the social experience outside of the game. It's the social experience inside of the game. It's the escaping to play other play other characters. It's the being around a table and playing with friends or being online and playing with your friends. It's and so they can kind of be like it says, the sounding board or the the buffer between the player types and and that works really well because you need that you can't you could run a table with just power gamers and just maybe storytellers and and method actors but you would have hard rifts in where everybody's having fun it would literally be all right we're gonna stop your fun while we do this we're gonna stop your fun while we do this you know what i mean and and yeah. the casual gamer kind of ties it all together. Yeah. Yeah. And if they develop into one of the other types over time, because like you mentioned, a lot of us start in that casual gamer thing, then, you know, you, 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 uh, you know, I think that the, the key to, to keeping your players engaged is knowing them and giving them what they want. And so, yeah, well, we've spent the last 20 minutes or half an hour talking about player types it's vitally important to your engagement to understand these player types because you have to know what they want to be able to give them the things that they're going to pay attention to. Exactly. You know, it's, it's like Jay little mentioned when we were talking with him about the, um, the obligation thing he developed for edge of the empire, which is a basically a, a mechanical implementation of 
what is your character interested in? You know, that's a system that, that has that. Most games don't quite as directly, but that's the thing, right? Your, your key to engagement, I think, is giving your players what they want. And the key to knowing what they want is to know them. We're back after a short technical hiccup in case something sounds weird at the end of the last bit. Um, but we're going to get into the eight kinds of fun as described in uh, the character creation cast episode that we've referenced. And you'll find links to in the show notes. And uh, the first type of fun that they're bringing up is is what they're calling sensation, which is, what do you want to say, stimuli? It's it's the the sound of rolling dice, the feel of, of shaking that big handful of dice. It's, you know, like if you're playing Dread, it's that that sensation of pulling that block out of the Jenga tower, that kind of thing. You know, they're, they're feeding on, you know, people who this is their kind of thing are, are feeding off of those specific sensations. And that's what they're going for. They're the person who, who gets that rush from, from, you know, rolling a successful attack roll or getting a really big damage roll, that kind of thing. They're the kind of person that the kind of person that's looking for the sensation of playing the game. They're the sensationalization of the game the sensation of rolling dice or anything that is sensational they're they're looking for that right the adrenaline rush the endorphin rush whatever basically that dopamine yeah next we have on the list next we have the fantasy aspect mm-hmm. of it which is granted i haven't listened to it so i'm guessing here that's probably the escapism yes the getting away from away from the game and all that right it's not fantasy as a genre it's the like you said the escapism the the playing make-believe factor of it and so yeah that's you know that's what they're there for that's you know this is probably going to be your i'm going to say to some extent probably a little bit more your your method actor types you know to, to push it back to the player types you know they're there to to immerse themselves and and from there I mean, you go from there, they went into, um, people are there for narration and, and this is very much as you would guess your storyteller types, but, and I did get to listen to this part of it. They were saying, you know, these are people who are very much keyed in either consciously or subconsciously a lot of times to story structure. And so if, even if you've got a story, you know, they, and they were talking about, I wish I'd gotten time. I need to go back and listen to this again, but they were talking, you know, these are people who very much key into the three act narrative and that kind of thing. And so they're, they're very much in most cases expecting a specific structure. And so they need going a little bit back to talking about pacing with Justin Eacock. They need that, you know, introduction, climax resolution cycle to keep happening for it to be engaging and interesting for them. They they need the story, uh, the everything story. The the narration is part of it. Yeah. Next we have a challenge. Mm-hmm. Which I'm assuming are the people that are looking for that. That's pretty self explanatory, actually. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's the ones that want quality. It's the ones that want a challenge, whether it be puzzles or you know combat or whatever it may be. Yeah. It's yeah, they want the game aspect of it. You know, they want to be challenged. They want, be it puzzles, uh, combats. Yeah, I think this probably to a certain point is something that, that you know, your, your power gamer, your butt kicker, and your tactician all thrive on. Just different aspects of it. 
moving on from that, we have Fellowship, just mm-hmm. a thing that's sort of our casual gamers looking for, but everybody's looking for a bit of that. It's the everybody together, everybody doing a, a group task, people from different walks of life coming together to play a game is fellowships important in this hobby. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, you know, that's, that is, I mean, that's the casual gamer described to a T pretty much. That's their fun is being there with their friends. And that's a slider that I think is in different places for everybody. But, you know, like I know a lot of, a lot of the gamer people that I've known through the years tend to be somewhat introverted away from the game table. And so I think that's a slider that's generally pretty high for a lot of us, but perhaps for some, you know, like the casual gamer, maybe that's the only one that's particularly high for them. And that's not, not wrong. It's just the way it is. So, uh, from fellowship, we go to expression, which I think, you know, is, is again, they're, they're people that are there to, to, to enact something the method actor, you know, they're, they're there to express Express themselves in one way or another or yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty self-explanatory. I I, I don't think think so. (laughs) I didn't get that deep into the the other podcast, unfortunately, but yeah, I mean, it's still, you know, expression is, seems pretty self-explanatory. So that's what I'm going to guess it is. A discovery. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, I think this is the Dungeons and Dragons. They talk about the three pillars. We've talked about that in the past with yeah. Wes Morrissey and all that, but combat, social, and ex- exploration. So this is the this is the discovering new things. This is the exploration. This is the finding wild places and and uh, exploring different worlds and discovering the even secrets or or things along those lines. Yeah, I think it can tie into the narration though too, in that you're discovering the story. You know, I, I think for me, that's a thing, right? That it, it's, it's about, you know, finding out what's next. Part of the, the joy is being surprised at that next plot twist, you know, that discovering of, of the things that have been happening in the background that you didn't see. So I don't think it's, it's just a discovery in, in the, you know, if you want to call it the Lewis and Clark sense, you know, it's, it's, it can, can be also a story thing, not just if you want to call it a, a geographic or a world building exploration discovering, did that make sense? I understood. <laughs> and then the last one it, it, they're calling submission. And I, I really, I would love to hear their, their take as to what this is. And I, and I wish I'd had the time to do that, but I'm guessing that's people who get some enjoyment and relaxation out of not being in control because this list is, I think more geared toward players as opposed to the GM, but that's and what my guess would be there. That's why, I'm not going to lie, that's why I like being a player sometimes. I like to be able to sit back and have somebody tell a story around my character. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's kind of the submission idea is that submitting to enjoying a story, you're submitting to just relaxing and, and chilling out. Yeah. And not necessarily, I mean, sometimes stories can get really difficult and involved, but, you know, more or less what you're doing is just submitting yourself to be sent on an adventure and, and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's, it's, and again, I, full disclosure, like I said, neither of us got to listen to that part of it. And just by the definition of the term, it could be a lot of things, but I think it, it has more to do with 
with giving up, you know, express control of the situation and, and letting yourself be taken for a ride. And so I think that, that wraps up that. And so to kind of circle it around to the engagement and, and how do you get engagement? I mean, it's, I think it's knowing your players, taking, you know, some of these elements and trying to figure out which ones the people at your table are, are finding fun, are keying off of, and then figuring out how to balance those elements to get a relatively balanced level of engagement from people while keeping in mind that if you've got the fellowship person or the casual gamer there, that in all honesty, they're having fun not being as quote unquote engaged as everyone else. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. <laughs> I think with all that being said, I just want to move into Game of the Week. Game of the Week. Game of the Week. All right. So it's time for Game of the Week. So uh, you want to go first or you want me to go first, Steve? I've been going first. It's your turn. It's my turn. All right. Well, my game of the week this week is one that I got to be honest. I don't know as much about as I'd like to, but I've heard a lot of talk at various places that I hang out on the internet, discords and Facebooks and all those fun couple of podcasts, whatever. It's a game called unknown armies, which is now in its third edition. And, um, I think it's primarily, it's put out by Atlas games. But I believe the primary authors were um, Greg Stolze and um, I don't remember. But yeah, I mean, the authors listed are, are, there's quite a list. Cam Banks, Greg Stolze, you know, a bunch of different people. But you know, Greg Stolze's part of a bunch of the stuff for Delta Green and so on and so forth. But uh, I don't know a lot about the mechanics of the game other than it, it's, it's a, going to say it's a modern kind of occult horror-ish game. But I think it's more about it's a modern occult conspiracy game, uh, not necessarily horror. And, um, I oh, hear it is originally created by Greg Stolze and John Tynes. But in any case, it's, it's a game of, of modern occult conspiracy and investigation. And the one thing that I've learned about this that I find really, really intriguing is that it's expressly def- stated that when you're setting up to play this, you sit down at your session zero and you find out, you know, you, you go around the table and you build what is fact in your world of conspiracies as a table. You know, you know, if you want to say that, you know, Roswell was real or Bigfoot exists or, you know, and I'm just making stuff up here, but it's a very, very collaboratively built world. And so I think there's a, another thing as far as engagement, right? If you've collaboratively built the world, now it's by its very nature, it's more interesting to everybody. But like I said, now this book, I'm probably just going to in in my um in the in the links in the show notes link the entire category because there's a number of books to it uh, in PDF. They're usually around fifteen bucks. I think this is a game where it may require a little more initial upfront investment um, because I think there's at least three books in like the if you will, the core, core rules, but I've heard a lot of really cool stories about people playing this. And, you know, it, it just seems to be with the right people. This could be a really, really fun game and, and fun kind of mentality to explore, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. Oh, it seems like a really cool game. Play something to check out. So I have mm-hmm. a game, uh, because I'm kind of obsessed with, 
don't know. Not obsessed. I wouldn't say. I was watching a movie the other day, and mm-hmm. um, then One Shot did a playthrough of this, and I was like, this feels like that. So I watched SLC, SLC Punk the other day, mm-hmm. and One Shot played a game called Punk's Been Dead Since 79. And it is about growing up in the Midwest in the like late 90s to early 2000s um, where players are playing as, as punks. They're playing as fans of punk music. It's about finding your place in the world. Um, in an idea, it, like, it's about being an outsider in a, in a small town where you, you know, people don't get it. It's, I just think it's a really cool, weird, like the more I look at it, the more I'm like, yeah, I love this game. Like it's, it's, you know, you've got 20 minutes to drive to the nearest mall. Like there are only five other punks in the town. None of you really get along. Like it's, it's stuff like that. It's, it's this coming of age and realizing, you know, coming of age and, and finding your voice and being a person type of game. And I, I, I don't know. I've sort of like, I looked at it. It's it's literally two dollars on Drive Through RPG. Um, I couldn't find it on Drive Through. I found it on Itch. I'll send it to you. Okay. Like I got it to come up, but it wasn't coming up for some reason. Um. But yeah. Two bucks on Drive Through. It's such a cool game. Just something neat to think about, and for people that are really into really into uh, characters, something mm-hmm. that probably really dig into this is if you're into characters and you like building characters around that just a cool game cool yeah it sounds like fun that's a whole what do you want to say oh, there we go oh okay drive through it just do did the, the adult thing yeah I, I, we need to talk about that apparently drive through now has like if a if a a game has adult content it now has a tag on it and won't let you view it i don't understand this is a new thing because i've never had this before mm-hmm. and it's yeah. not like this is a super raunchy game you know i, I mean? wouldn't i mean okay violent sexuality well punk does get into yeah but social angst a lot that's kind of the core of it but still so does Morkboard. but you know, like i don't know I, I i understand wanting to be safer website but apparently drive through has new settings so if you're if you're on drive through rpg and you're looking for a game you can't find it go into your go into your account if you have one if you don't make an account in and make sure that the allow explicit content box is checked because I, I I don't understand I didn't look and I guess maybe I should if other games yeah I was just thinking about that because there's a couple of things that look at like cult because that's a yeah I don't know if it's a new thing but yeah it is a new thing because cult has the same tag this title has adult content okay well I mean I Cult is a very heavy game, if you will. I wouldn't deny that at all. Oh, but I, I just was looking to see to peak. I'm surprised that they don't have it on Morkborg because Morkborg is a very heavy game too. Um, yeah, that, that's weird. I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, that's a little PSA. If you're on drive through and you're like, I can't see any games, like go into your settings and make sure that if you're over the age of 18 and view the adult content games. If you're not, I don't know, talk to your parents. Yeah. Well, quite frankly, we suggest a lot of games that probably are, are a little more adult than, than not, but they were adults. So that's, you know. Yeah. And I'm sorry. We may suggest games that have adult themes and that's just sort of 
Yeah. Also suggest, I mean, there's been games like we've had a wander home suggested. That's a game that has no adult. Like it, it, yeah. it, it doesn't have the adult themes or uh, stuff like Genesis or star Wars or anything like that. You know, mm-hmm. with all that being said, as always links to everything are in the show notes. Yep. Patreon is live Patreon now. Patreon is live now. As of tomorrow, it is officially live. Yeah, tomorrow in real time, not tomorrow in podcast time. I yeah, know it's it's live. You can find it at patreon.com slash me and Steve talk RPGs. And we'll make sure that links to that are in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and come join us on the Discord, you know. Hit us up on Discord, come to Facebook, come to Twitter. That's about yeah. it. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, you know, usual. Mm-hmm. Tell your local game store owner if you want to. We actually have yeah. a, a local game store owner that I haven't heard from him in a while, but I know he was listening to the show pretty regularly. Uh, I haven't. I need to check in on him. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I've been up there. Yeah, that's what I was thinking myself. Yeah, with that, I remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep, take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. Oh, for goodness sakes. Open the thing. There's an outtake. If I click it some more... Thank you. Three. All right.